You're listening to the Renew Life Church podcast. We hope this message inspires you and challenges you to become a true disciple of Jesus. To find out more about us, go to renewlifechurch.com. Can we give our worship team a round of applause? Tell them thanks for what they do. Just want to, first of all, take a minute to introduce myself. My name's Braden. I'm the senior pastor uh, here at New Life Church. Obviously, you guys have a phenomenal campus pastor and Cody and his wife, Stacy. They do an incredible job. Can we just give Cody and Stacy a round of applause? You'll, you'll have to tell Stacy, we gave her a hand clap instead of me making fun of her. So you just tell her I did that. So, um, yeah, I just felt just for a, a minute, I wanted just to explain just a briefly, in case you're new, how many of you guys did not grow up in a church like this? I mean, you grew up in something completely different. All right. Uh, I, I just want to take a minute and just help you kind of wrap your head around maybe kind of why we do some of the things that we do. But uh, also I'll let you know something I've been praying for and I believe is already happening so far in this service. Uh, we, we believe that when we get in the presence of God, when we come together in His name, that before we even hear a message on how we're supposed to change, we are being changed. And I, the, uh, one of the things that I've recently heard, I heard a pastor talk about this. Um, actually, this couple weeks ago, we were at a pastor's conference. Uh, a big group of us went up and this pastor was telling stories about how he, and he pastors in a small town in Northern California called Redding, California. And for those of you who don't know this, in Redding uh, is a church called Bethel. And Bethel's a huge church. I mean, huge church and God's doing crazy cool things through this church. We sing their songs. Many of you would know who Bethel is. Well, he does not, he's not at Bethel. In fact, he's the pastor of a little church called, uh, it's not super little, but it's a smaller, much smaller than Bethel called The Stirring. And he said he remembered uh, there were certain seasons in his, the, the, the life of his church where his friends, they were all close together, or close friends, the, the group at the Stirring, the group at Bethel. He said, I remember getting text messages one time from, the, from my friends at Bethel and they're like, oh my gosh, the glory cloud is in the room. Jesus is in the room. And he's like, and I'm over here trying to preach when all, and I literally can watch people getting the same text messages. They're getting up out of my church and leaving in the middle of my message to go to the other church because God was showing up somewhere other than my church. Hey, you guys, first of all, keep your seats, everybody. I don't care <laughs> what's going on in Midland, Texas today, keep your seats. Uh, but I, he was telling the story. He said, Lord, th- this, is, this is difficult to lead a church in a city where you're moving over here in one way and, and I'm kind of doing this. He's like, why is, why is that happening for them and not for us? And he said, the Lord just clears the bell. He said, you never asked me for the glory. Oh. Scripture says you have not because you, you, you ask not. And I, this morning in prayer, I just, I caught myself being reminded of that story. And uh, for those of you who've never been in an encounter type service where God just showed up in such a real way that what you were feeling transcended what you could understand. What you experienced transcended what you you knew to be true. And so uh, I just want you to know, I've been praying and believing God since early this morning. It's like some preachers say, we've been up so early this morning, you know. Half y'all probably up before I was, actually working or something. And, but I, I, I have been praying that God's manifest presence would show up in this room today. That His glory would fill this room in, in such a way today that whether you wanted to be here or not, whether you believed anything I said, you could not doubt what you felt. You could not doubt what was going on in, our, in, in your hearts. And it's like the story of that, that road to Damascus story where Jesus appears 
to his disciples and for whatever reason said that scales almost like scales on their eyes and could not recognize who he was. And he talked to them and taught them the scriptures. It says, of, it says after he revealed himself to them after, uh, sometime later, he, they said to themselves, shouldn't we have known that that was him? Did not our hearts burn when he was teaching us, when he was talking to us? I'm here to tell you, some of you maybe don't know him, never met him, never encountered him, but I've been praying for God to move in such a powerful way in our service today that you would leave here different. You would leave here different than when you came in. And I think our worship team's done an incredible job. Cody's ministry time does an incredible job. And I don't think we're done yet of God encountering you in this service today. I, I had the Lord say to me during communion, some of you don't understand what happened when you were born again and you're still living as if you have the same family history you once did. Same family history. Sometimes we can accept the lies of our family history. This is our family's history. All of my family does this. All of, all of us men have a problem with anger. All of us women have this, pre, we're preconceived to this, predisposed to this. We all have this. But what you don't understand is when you take that blood, it's, a, it's supposed to be a reminder of that you weren't, you weren't cleaned up when you were saved. You were recreated. And you have a completely different family history. Would you like to know what your family history is? Jesus. <laughs> That's your family history, <laughs> that's it. Everything that he is is now your family history. So I don't care what runs in your old family, I know what runs in your new family. And uh, amen. So we're just gonna talk about what that might look like and help you get to know your, uh, your new family today, amen? Amen, there we go. And we get, get a more Pentecostal up in this easy. Um, if you got your Bibles, you can turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 3. We'll get there eventually. Um, today's a little bit different kind of a message. Uh, I, I really don't, I have no desire to simply teach you things so that you have more things that you need to quote unquote work on this week. Uh, I, I would not doubt that every single one of us in this room probably has some things that we could possibly work on. But I, I want to talk to you today around this idea um, that becoming who God has called us to become is less about what we do and more about what we behold. Less about what we do and more about what we behold. The title of the message today is Beholding Jesus, Beholding Jesus, and we'll get there eventually. Um, while you're in, let me read something before you get to, before we get to 2 Corinthians chapter 3. Um, Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, something most of us have probably heard uh, at some point in our life. But let me just read this again. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to him, which is in your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is good acceptable and perfect to him. So uh, first of all, how many of you guys have read this scripture before, heard this scripture? Raise your hand if you heard this scripture. Don't be conformed to the world, be transformed by the renewing mind that you may prove. Now that word prove, it, we can get, it can get confusing when we're trying to say, proving the word, what does that actually mean? Or prove what is that good, acceptable and perfect will of God. It means to discern, to understand, to know. Every single one of us in this room, to a certain degree, we want to know the will of God for our life. Am I right? It's part of the reason you're here. You probably want to know what God has for you. Well, what he's telling us in this scripture is if we want to know, then we have to be transformed. And if we want to be transformed, then we have to change the way that we think. 
Let's change the way that we think. I don't really want to teach on this too long, but I do want us to pay for just a minute attention to that word uh, transformed because this is one of only two times that this word is used in Scripture. The other time we're going to read about today is 2 Corinthians chapter 3, that word transformed. The word transformed comes from the Greek word metamorpho, which means to transform, to change, uh, to transfigure. Um, Obviously, y'all would understand that metamorpho is where we get our word metamorphosis. But again, this is only, uh, this word is only used twice in, in scripture. So I think it's, I think there's something important uh, to that. But before we get too far along, just very briefly, this passage of scripture, Romans 12, 2, uh, gives us some basic things that I think we can't just brush over without talking about. Uh, first of all is we need to understand, don't be conformed to this world, be transformed by the re- renewing of your mind. We are not supposed to look like the world. Can we just be okay with that? We're not supposed to look like the world. In fact, in one, in one scripture, it actually says that we are a peculiar people. Raise your hand if you're sitting next to a peculiar person. Strange, strange person. Bunch of freaking weirdos. We're supposed to be strange. We're supposed to be different. I think, I think inadvertently sometimes we, uh, we say things like, you know, we, we, we adapt, we quote unquote change and, and, and do certain things so that we can reach the world. But sometimes we're changing too much to reach the world. And I would even propose some of the things that we're changing is not because we want to reach the world, it's because we want to keep one foot in it. See, it's going to be one of them Sundays. He's going there. We're supposed to look different. A a watered-down picture of Jesus doesn't transform people. The purity of him transforms uh, transforms people. And the purity of Jesus is supposed to be reflected in our life. And I think that's something that we've kind of got away from. We've we've stopped talking about purity and holiness and obedience and some of these things that separate us from the world. Uh, And and, and again, I don't want to go too far into that. But just simply put, we're not supposed to look like the world. The second thing you've got to know is you're supposed to be on a journey of transformation also known as you should always be changing. You should always be changing. What you know about God today, no matter how little it is or how much it is, you don't know jack squat. (laughs) I don't know jack squat. In compared to who he really is, I mean, I literally cannot squeeze my fingers small enough together. We know a fraction of who he is, what he is, what his love looks like. The Bible says for all of eternity, we will be learning more about his love and who he is. We will, we will never stop learning. There, there will never be a day when, when we talk about eternity, there will never be a day at some point, there will never be a day where you don't wake up and go, oh my gosh, I did not know he was that good. I just did not know that. So that means we're, we're constantly supposed to be learning more, growing more and, and, and changing. The last thing we'll, we'll, we'll say before we just move right on, transformation begins with how you think. Transformation begins with how you think, and I'll say it differently. Transformation begins with changing how you think. Every single one of us in here, every single day, we have hundreds if not thousands of of thoughts that do not align with heaven. You know know what I would think one of the scariest things that you could possibly imagine? It's not a spider. It's not a snake. It's what if everything you thought was displayed on, the scr- on a screen for everyone to see. That'll give you insight into how much hell you've been thinking about. <laughs> Am I right? We, we know this. You, you, all of a sudden you're thinking about what you was thinking about right before I said that. And you're like, oh man. 
here's the point that I'm making. My transformation starts with changing the way that I think, which means anytime a thought comes through my mind that's not of heaven, I have to do something about it. Amen. We're supposed to be doing something about it. And, and, and last thing I'll say on this, you don't arrest a thought with another thought, you arrest a thought with a word. You should be talking to yourself all day long. And some of you are like, I already do. This is easy for me. No, but I'm serious. Like when a thought of fear comes through your, ma- through your mind, do you understand it has no right to stay there, but it will unless you say something. Doesn't have a right to stay there. But if you don't say something, it's going to stay there. And how you arrest that thought is you open your mouth. God hasn't given me a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. Now, for the record, those are not my words. Those are his, his words. The only words that work against that are his words, not yours. Okay, I got to stop talking about this passage. I'm supposed to be talking about something completely different. But anyway, transformation begins with changing how you think. The Bible says in Proverbs 23, 7, for as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. You will become what you think. You will become what you think. So I think it's, I think we should be taking our thoughts a little more seriously. If that's what I'm going to become, I have to take it a little more seriously. If I start thinking more like heaven, I will start looking, acting, behaving more like heaven. How many guys will be okay with that? Me too. All right. Uh, Like I said, I really want to focus on the second time that this word transformed is used in scripture, 2 Corinthians 3. Uh, We'll start here in verse 12 and let me just read it. I've got to stand a little further back from my iPad than I used to have to. Um, I'm fine. Everything's fine. Therefore, since we have such hope, we use great boldness of speech. Unlike Moses, who put a veil over his face so that the children of Israel could not look steadily at the end of what was passing by. Uh, layman's terms, Moses has seen, had seen God and had so transformed his being, he had to cover himself so that the people of Israel were not too affected by what had happened to him. They were not ready for it. He wasn't ready. Verse 14. <laughs> I really should not know that. I really just told him myself. Verse 14, but their minds were blinded. For until this day, the same veil remains unlifted in the reading of the Old Testament because the veil is taken away in Christ. But even to this day, when Moses is read, a veil lies on their heart. Nevertheless, when one turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Now the Lord is the Spirit. When the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Some translations say freedom. Now here's where I want us to focus. It says, but we all, with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of God, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. I wanna talk about this for just a second and kind of explain what this is talking about. Um, Most of you, many of you would know this, but something really miraculous happened as a prophetic foreshadowing of something to come. When Jesus was on the cross, he's fixing to take his last breath. He he utters these words. How many of you guys remember this part? It is finished. It is finished finished. What was finished? Your salvation and had been complete. He had done everything the Lord had told him to do. His work on earth was done. Your salvation had been bought. And so he says this thing. He says this phrase, it is finished. When he said it is finished, something miraculous happened to the tabernacle. How many of you guys know about the tabernacle? The tabernacle used to be, before that moment, where the presence of God existed. 
God had them build this tabernacle, had outer courts, inner courts, and then what was known as the Holy of Holies, which people could not go in. You could not go into the Holy of Holies unless you were a priest at certain times of year. You had to do all of these uh, sacrifices to make sure that all of your sins were taken care of because no sin could stand in the presence of God. They would tie a rope to the priest's feet and a bell around him to find out because if he went into the Holy of Holies and had not cleansed himself properly, fell over dead. How many of you guys want that job? <laughs> yeah, so, so what would happen is, is this, this Holy of Holies was a very sacred, powerful place wherein the presence of God resided. When Jesus said the word, it is finished, there was this giant curtain known as a veil that was incredibly thick. When he said those words, miraculously, that veil was split in two. New King James Version. King James Version says it was rent. It was ripped. It was torn apart, which was significant because what that meant is now all people, who had been born again had access to the very presence of God. What once was only there for priests, and those were who, and there's so much, I, I can't get into this, but those who had been perfected, notice that, those who had been perfected were the only ones who could stand in his presence. Well, because of what Jesus did, all of us have been perfected or have had the ability to be perfected by faith in Jesus. And so when that veil was torn, it was significant. We now have access to him. Now, this means that we see him for who he really is. We see him completely. You can imagine, you know that brides sometimes wear the veil. They, they can kind of see where they're going, but they cannot see perfectly. What the, what the scripture here is telling us is that when we don't know who Jesus is, we don't see, and we haven't accepted him as Lord and Savior, we will never see him for who he really is. We will see him through a veiled face. But, everybody say but. It's a big but. But if you've been born again, that veil has been removed. Amen. That veil has been removed and now we have the ability to see Jesus. So it's saying now we, because of all of this, we with unveiled face, let's read it again. With unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror. So just everybody use your imagination here and picture you're standing in front of a mirror and it says beholding, not just looking, we'll get to that word here in a minute, beholding as in a mirror, what? the glory of the Lord Jesus, looking at him, beholding him, the him in us. What does it say is happening when we behold him? We are being transformed into the same image. This, is, this will sound like heresy to some, but I'm just reading you the scriptures. When we look at Jesus, dare I say, when we behold him, behold him, we become like him. When we behold him, as in a mirror, look at him, we actually become what we are looking at. Transformation, I would even, and I don't think I'm often saying this, there's two times in scripture that this word transformed is used. One is by changing the way that you think. I, I propose that what I'm introducing now is a superior way to be transformed. And it's not just to change the way you think, it's to behold Jesus and let him transform you into himself. This word behold, because this is not a, a normal just look at word. This word behold is the Greek word eido, E-I-D-O, which means to be sure to see. Not just look at, but be sure to see. This word behold is one that you would use if you were talking about how a groom looks at his bride when she's walking down the aisle. 
You're looking at her with an emotion. There's an energy. There's an anticipation. There's, you, you, you don't want to miss a single thing that's happening in that moment. That word behold would be a, a, a word that you would use to describe maybe the first time you saw the ocean, the first time you saw the mountains. Has it ever just dawned on you that like no one ever had to tell you that that was beautiful? You just look at it and you're just like, that's incredible. I don't know why I like this so much. Or you go to Colorado or the Rocky Mountains somewhere and you see these incredible mountains, snow-capped mountains with rivers running through it. And you're like, why do we live in Midland? Why are we still here right now? <laughs> no, what, what is it? You, you know, the first time you've seen something like that where the, the beauty and the majesty of God was just in, in natural form. It's like it, it did something to you. And the way you looked at it, it was like, you were beholding it. You were looking at it in faith and anticipation with an energy and an emotion to it. That's the kind of looking at we're talking about here. We're not talking about the kind of look at that if you drive, uh, not the kind of look at that you would do to a road sign or, or a traffic signal. Every day, we, I don't know how many, how many road signs or traffic signals we look at, but you don't behold a traffic signal. If you do, you're probably higher. <laughs> it's like... green. <laughs> I wouldn't know, but some have said. You look at it, and, 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 and the interesting thing about even road signals is you're, you're looking at it just long enough to get your instructions. I'm going to, can I turn, or should I turn, can I change lanes, should I stop, should I go, should I slow down? you're looking at it just long enough to get your instructions, but you're not beholding it. You're not wanting to get to know it. You're not, you're not looking at it to make sure you don't miss anything. And I would propose to you that most people, especially here in America, we have been trained to look at Jesus, but not behold him. Let, let's get around him long enough to know what we're supposed to do and not supposed to do. But let's don't look at him long enough to make sure we don't miss anything about him. Hundreds and thousands, millions maybe of people today are looking at Jesus. My question is him, about, to you though is, do you behold him? Do you look at him with a passion, with an energy, with an emotion, with a faith that's just different than, I just wanna get some instructions from you so I can know how to do better, therefore so I can live better, therefore my life is better. Do you see where I'm going with this? That was, it was a, it's, a, it's actually a condition of humanity. We, we typically... <sighs> We wanna do whatever we have to do to make our life better. The children of Israel, that's, they dealt with this. They didn't wanna know God. They wanted Moses to tell, us, tell them about God. They just wanted to do whatever they were quote unquote supposed to do so that their life was good. And oftentimes that's what Christianity is to us. We've never taken the time to get to know him. All we wanna know is what should we do or what, what should I not do so that my life is better? Can we just be honest that's probably true? Not Moses. Not Moses. Moses said, Lord, show me your ways so that I may know you. Lord, let me behold you. In fact, there's a whole other depth of this teaching, but that word metamorphosis, metamorpho, it also means the word transfigure. And we know according to scripture, there's only two people in history on this earth have been transfigured. One was Jesus himself on the Mount of Transfiguration. The other was Moses. I propose to you why Jesus beheld the Father fully. Moses could not look at him. He only could see his backside, according to Scripture. But both people that got to see the Father 
it changed, it transfigured, it transformed even their physical being. If we wanna see ourselves truly change, where when someone walks up to us, they're like, you're different. <laughs> you're different. I don't know how, but you're, you're different. It doesn't come from looking at Jesus. It comes from beholding him. Beholding him with great honor. Great honor. I, I, I can't go into, I won't go into too much depth with it right now. I may get into it here in a minute. But um, as some of you would know, uh, about 13 years ago, I actually had a visitation from the Lord. And um, wasn't expecting it, wasn't praying for it. Didn't even know if I believed in it all the way, to be honest with you. But on a Sunday morning, I actually had a visitation. And um, when I woke up that morning, I knew something was different. And I, and I can't give you all the details right now, but I, I knew something was different, didn't know what it was. I went to the church, began to walk around and pray, trying to figure out what was going on. Long story short, I... Um, I said out loud, because uh, this is how I interact with the Lord, my prayer time is not the thou, holiest of thou. I talk to him like I'm talking to y'all. And so I couldn't figure out what was going on, so I literally said out of my mouth, I was like, I guess I'll just lay down in worship then. And I heard him say from behind me that I'll just lay down with you. So I, I, I laid down, of course I was scared at that point, so I, <laughs> I, I laid down, and at the moment I laid down, I, I came out of my, the Lord allowed me to come out of my body, my consciousness and potentially more. I saw myself laying there and I saw him, and I say him, I saw from, I didn't even see the kneecap, below the knee and down of the right foot come over me and I knew he had stepped over me. I go back into my body, he lays down beside me. Now, there's a, a whole lot to this story, but the, the, the strange thing is, is at that point for the first time in my life, I had seen him like I'd never seen him before. I saw his foot, I, that's all I saw. I saw his foot and I'm in, I'm, I'm in this encounter. It goes for somewhere around 20-ish minutes, maybe 30, but I have this encounter, have this visitation. I, my life has changed forever from that moment on. I leave, I go back, I get dressed in my office and in my head I'm like, I was supposed to preach, it was on a Sunday morning. And I remember thinking, how am I supposed to preach? How am I supposed to preach today like a some normal message on the backside of having this happen to me. I, it was, I was having a hard time figuring out what I was even gonna do. But I had purpose in my heart, I'm not telling anybody anything. This is, this is something I might sit on for a minute because I do not understand what had fully happened. I had some understanding, but not much. And so I was not gonna say a word to anybody. And uh, so I go to my closet or my prayer closet, prayer office and Finished getting ready. I put my clothes on and get ready for church. Leanne's getting the worship team ready. They're, they're doing their run through. We have a pre-service meeting just like we even have still today. I walked into the room. Mind you, this is a woman who knows what I look like. She knows who I am. And I had not gone and worked out between the time I saw her last. <laughs> she knows what she's working with. And I, don't laugh too loud. That made me think of weird things. She would, she would attest to this. I walked into the room doing everything I could to be as normal as I can. I walk in, she glances at me, stops and shoots her head back and looks me up and down. And not like, I mean, it's a different kind. <laughs> Wasn't that one, unfortunately. <laughs> I need to calm down. She looks at me. <laughs> She, look, she does this double take and she looks at me and she goes, what happened to you? And I'm trying not, you know, you know not, nothing. She goes, and she looks again and she goes, no, 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 something happened to you. 
you don't look, you don't look the same. Again, hadn't heard a word. I propose to you that the smallest glimpse of him changes everything about you. Everything about you. Whether you know it or not. And oftentimes you will be the, you, you won't know it. Because here's what happens. When you look at him, pride is evaporated. I mean, it evaporates. When you see him, pride evaporates. Humility comes. And in that humility, you are giving yourself no credit for anything. But you're giving him credit for everything. And oftentimes is when you've been in the presence of him, pride evaporates, humility comes up, and you don't think there's anything different about you. But those around you know that there's that everything's different about you because you're walking with a humility, a tenderness. Now, why would you look and so different from other people? Because when we behold him, we are transfigured into him. When we behold him, according to scripture, we are transformed into him. I, I love this that I have, I love that I have this as a part of my story, but um, when I was young, my, my mom and dad, if you know them, you'll, you'll, you'll love the story. But my mom and dad, they didn't come from Christian homes. So my mom and dad were first generation Christians. But when they got saved, I mean, they like, I mean, full speed ahead, all, shoved all their chips in. They were all about it. And I mean, all in. So th- things at our house drastically changed. I, I was not raised in a house that didn't know the Lord. I was raised in a house that was I mean, passionately pursuing God. We literally took vacation to ministers' conferences. Like we, as kids, we were thrilled about that, you know. Uh, But I'm I'm telling you, my parents were all in. And and my mom especially, I mean, she was the ringleader of a bunch of this. And so she, they would, uh, they had subscribed to so many different magazines. This is not when you could just click a few buttons and get all the information you wanted. You had to subscribe to magazines. And so, uh, I mean, our house was littered with Christian magazines, Christian books, all these different subscriptions. I mean, you couldn't even go to the bathroom without being one right and sit in front of your face, you know. And so uh, we, they were everywhere. And somewhere around the age of 10 or 12, this one particular magazine came in. Some of you might know this name. His name's Jesse Duplantis. And Jesse Duplantis, he's an evangelist. Uh, won't get into what you might or might, I might think about his ministry. I, we, I love him. Uh, he, he, he's about 10% preacher, 90% comedian. And so he's just kind of got this sense of humor. Well, in his magazine, he was selling these, these prints, these portraits of Jesus. But it wasn't like, and, and please don't get offended by this. I'm, I'm trying to make a lot of this. This was not Catholic Jesus. This was not porcelain doll, Catholic Jesus, looking like he's having a tough day. I, I know why Catholics believe in drinking wine. They look at Jesus like he needs a glass. Like. <laughs> Sand. <laughs> Neil's on the front row praying harder for me than he's ever prayed. He's like, Lord, help him. Help him, Jesus. I can't look at Neil the rest of this message. Uh, but this was, not that, this was not that Jesus. This face of Jesus was like man's man Jesus, but he was like belly laughing, like all of his teeth showing laughing. And it was like, it was just, a, a, when I saw it, it was not what you typically think of when you're thinking of, the, of a picture of Jesus. So as, as a 10 or 12 year old kid, I'm like, this is, this is different. Something, and something about it, I don't know what it was, but something about that 
It marked me, and I, and I, and I thought about it. Well, you go, I go to class, and I don't remember, week, two weeks, month later, whatever it was. Um, y'all remember the days when you'd have art projects and you'd have to go home and tear pictures or cut pictures out of magazines? Y'all remember them days? So we, I, I, we, this day we had to tear a picture out of a magazine, and we were going to come back, and we were going to draw this picture that we got in the magazine. Well, man, I, all I could think about drawing was this picture of Jesus' face. And so I tore it and brought it to school, and I'm like, this is what I'm drawing. And so I... And I mean, I remember I just focused on that picture for so long and I drew it the best that I could and, and we couldn't afford, we didn't have no money. And so we couldn't afford to, my mom couldn't afford to buy the print. And so I remember I wanted to draw it for her too. So I draw this picture of Jesus. I frame it and giving it to my, to my mom as a gift. But I just remember being so marked with this at, at such a young age and and I can still see, even, I drew his teeth a little too big. I mean, he had some chiclets when I drew him. And, but but here's what's interesting I had a vision I had an image of him in my in my head at this point I don't know if you have this practice but you should but we are supposed to be a people that in our in our minds in our hearts in our prayer in our meditation we are supposed to be coming before his throne regularly the Bible says come boldly before the throne of grace and receive mercy we're supposed it's the practice of coming to the throne and I can't tell you how many times in worship and prayer in different moments in my life when I'm, when I'm visualizing and I'm, and I'm trying to even posture my heart, like we were singing that song today, you can tell your soul what to do. Come on my soul, don't you get quiet on me. Well, sometimes we have to tell our soul, hey soul, we are going to the throne and we are going to behold him and we are going to worship him and we are going to give him the honor that he's due. It's amazing what this practice will do for your anxiety. Amazing. There is no anxiety in the presence of God. None. There is no worry. There is no fear. There is no concern as to what's happening to your kids at school today when you're in the presence of God. And so I, in this practice of coming before the throne of God, I would see that picture of him laughing when I'd get there. And I'd, see, I'd get flashes of Jesus when, and I'd, I'd get into my mind and it's just, you know, you can we just be honest, when you think everything I just said to you, you, you feel like there's supposed to be like a holy posture, like you gotta kinda come quietly and walk in slowly. And, and then it's like, he's like, what's up? <laughs> you don't really expect to see that sometimes. But what I love is that I had this picture because that picture helped make him as real as he is to me. It's important that each of us we, we cultivate, we develop a secret place lifestyle where we, we, we don't just know him, we can see him. That we have images of our, in our mind's eye of him. And whatever that version is, Keith, I, I preached this message last week in, in Lubbock and Keith reminded, the, after, the, after I got off and he came up, he reminded the church, he said, y'all remember that story of that eight-year-old girl who I think she died and had a visitation or went to heaven or something and she painted that picture. Y'all remember that story? I actually put it on my phone because Keith told me to. Well, Keith tells everybody what to do. So he told the whole church to do it. And so we actually put this on our phone. Kind of, Keith's like, I think we just need to do that as a prophetic act of where we're constantly reminding ourselves, behold him. Behold him. <laughs> I have a magnet on my truck that I put my phone on. And uh, so every, every now and then, you know, this picture will come up and Evan, my four-year-old, 
she's been seeing that. <clears throat> and she'll see that picture. And I, it, she said it the other day and it just, it got me. She's like, Daddy, who is that man? Who is that man? And it, <laughs> it gave me a chance to start telling her about him. So maybe that's Jesus. Jesus? Of course, she's four. What's wrong with him? I'm like, Evan, stop. In a moment, gosh, dang, Evan, please, just let me just. It's not even about you anymore. You know? I think we get to play, you can get to a place where, man, you just think about him. It does something to you, messes with you, messes you up. But what I love is that the more time I spend beholding him, whether, and, and I'm gonna, the next few times whenever I'm up next to preach or whatever, I wanna spend some time talking about what it means to behold him and how to behold him and ways that we behold him. We behold him in worship, we behold him in the presence, we behold him through the word. And so all of these are, 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 are ways that we behold him. But what I've learned over the years is that, well, let me say it this way. The, the, this scripture is true. I know it to be true in my mind. Second Corinthians three. I know this to be true if, because I believe the word. If I behold him, I'm being transformed into his image. I, I can know that in my mind. But what I've learned over the years and, and, and through some unique experiences is that it's not just a scripture to me, it's an, ex, it's an experience to me. Because there were times in my life when knowing my personality and things I needed to work on, I needed to be more patient. I, I needed to be more kind. I, and at times in my life, I had worked on Y'all laugh at this one. Some of you already heard this story. But there was a time in my life, I'm not, I'm not super good with verbal affirmation. And then the Lord gives me a wife and three girls. <laughs> He's like, oh, you're going to work on it. <laughs> but there was times when I literally had to put on my, in my calendar, embarrassing but true, I'd put in my calendar, say something nice to Leanne. She's giggling too hard. I was, I was too much giggling. Um, I, 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 wasn't very good, I wasn't very good at it, but I had put it in my calendar. Do better. Be better. How many of us in here, we want to we wanna do better? We want to be better. I, I'm with you. I, I'll, 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 I'll briefly close with this. That after I had that visitation from the Lord, it sent me on a journey where I just wanted to see. I knew I had not seen him at that point at that point in my life, I had not seen him for who he really was just yet. Because the way I encountered him, I encountered something different. And I knew there was more to him. And so I began to search out the scriptures. I began to see him. I, I wanted to see him in the Old Testament. I wanted to see him in the New Testament. I had a mentor via books and on, the, on the internet, Joseph Prince. I, I really encourage you. You can't listen to enough of his material at times. You read enough of his books because he's so, he's such a genius in this area of Jesus, grace, and the finished work of the cross. And I, would, I was going I would catch myself in the morning, I would come to the office and all I did was go right straight into my office, close everything up and I got into scripture. I got into the word. I wanted to see Jesus. I wanted to look at him. And it wasn't very long after doing this, uh, post this revelation and, or this encounter with the Lord, it wasn't very long that I, I would get there and I couldn't read very many scriptures. I couldn't even do too much studying, if you will, before I was on the ground crying. And I remember, I remember those goofy little, I think there's still some, they said they, in the first service they still have them, but it's those little plastic things under your desk where your chair can roll around good. Y'all know what I'm talking about? I, I can't, how many times I remember laying on that uncomfortable plastic thing, just crying. 
because I would melt right out of my chair. I, I mean, I'd just get so overwhelmed. And at the time I didn't know what it was. The Lord's taught me more since then, but I would just, I would look at him and the next thing you know, I'm in the floor crying and it's in worship. I mean, it wasn't in sadness or grief, it was in worship. And the Lord began to teach me. He says, what you're encountering is my love. You're, you're crumbling under the weight and the glory and the goodness of me and my love, which was fascinating to me. I look at Jesus, experience love, <laughs> crumble. Well, the craziest thing began to happen. I, I just started becoming more kind. I, I, I wasn't working on it. I started becoming more patient. I, I started becoming um, more affirming, more positive. I, I was becoming something. And, and what, what do we know here? I'm going to skip down here to John 14, verse 8. It says, Philip said, Lord, Lord, show us the Father, for it is sufficient for us. Jesus said to him, how have I been with you so long? And you don't know me, Philip. He who has seen me has seen the Father. Let's add that to the story. So I would go into my office and I would look at Jesus. But while I was looking at Jesus, I was looking at the Father. Didn't even realize it. Now read 1 John 4, 7 and 8. Beloved, let us love one another for love is God and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. He who does not love does not know God. Why? Because God is love. Let's add that to the equation. I would come to the scriptures and behold Jesus and in beholding, the Je beholding Jesus, I was beholding the Father and in beholding the Father, I was beholding love and I was being transformed into the image of that which I was looking at. You can work on it or you can behold it. You can work on being a better Christian or you can look at the Christ. You can behold the Christ, the person himself and allow beholding him to transform you. I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to tread lightly here because of how I would never disrespect scripture, but I do know that some truth is superior to other truth. I think we should continue to, to transform our mind, to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Don't stop renewing, of your, renewing your mind. But when you're starting to hit roadblocks in certain areas of your life, set the renewing of your mind aside for a second and behold. If there's an area of your life that you've been working on and not seeing the victory, I propose stop working and start beholding. Start beholding and allow the miracle the grace, the mercy of this principle in the word that says, when I behold him, I'm transformed into what I'm looking at. Allow that to begin to work out those places in your life that you so long to see changed. Amen. Thanks for listening. We hope you felt encouraged by today's message. If you need prayer or would like to connect with us, find us on social media or by going to renewlifechurch.com.